Hello, Amanda Smith here, and welcome inside your final episode of How She Did It from 2020. Can you believe it? I first just want to thank you for the support that you have shown and continue to give this show. It truly wouldn't be possible without you, so thank you, and Happy New Year to you and yours. So this week's guest is a veteran motorsports reporter. She is in her 19th year working as a broadcaster, and you have most likely seen her covering the NASCAR Cup Series and NASCAR Xfinity Series on Fox Sports. Prior to joining Fox, she spent 13 years at ESPN and ABC as a reporter for NASCAR, the IndyCar Series, and Winter and Summer X Games. She was the first woman to cover a televised Supercross and Motocross event, and was one of the first women reporters in X Games history. Just this year, she made history again by accepting a job to become the first woman to call television play-by-play for a national racing series in 2021. I am so excited for you to get to learn more about her and her story. So here is Jamie Little. Exciting to have you on the show. So first and foremost, thanks for taking time out of your very busy life to hang with me. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, we've got lots to talk about. You've got other things to do, so we'll get right into it. When it comes to this career that you've built, you have said that this work actually found you through your love for racing. What's your earliest memory of the sport? Well, I remember when I was a really little girl, um, when my parents were still married, I think I was four or five, my dad had a dirt bike. And I remember he would put me on the gas tank and I'd get to ride with him. And I loved, there was something about the feeling and the the smell of the fuel, like it's weird. It just kind of stuck with me. And when I moved to Las Vegas, when we were 14, I met some guys that rode dirt bikes and I was always a tomboy. So it was natural for me to just want to gravitate and hang out with them. And, um, I was introduced to the sport of supercross and I was hooked. But what really got me, which was interesting, is that I wanted to dive more into the stories, like what made these guys work, the things they were sacrificing. I mean, they didn't go to normal school. They were homeschooled. They were breaking bones all the time. And it was all to live this dream and become a supercross star. And I was so intrigued. Something in me said, I need to share these stories. And then I quickly learned through watching all the sports on TV and then reading the magazines, there was nobody that looked like me that represented the female fans. And it just kind of clicked that this is what I need to do. So that's where it kind of started. When you talk about early on not seeing any women in the role that you now have, what made you think that you could do that? Yeah, it's interesting because I never had that gender barrier thing. It just wasn't, I, I grew up, my parents got divorced when I was five and I was raised by my single mom, no brothers, no sisters. And we just kind of did whatever it took. My mom always did anything. It didn't matter. She didn't have the the guy in the house, like that's a guy role or this is a female role. It just wasn't part of my life. So I never saw myself as really different. And, um, you know, I, I just realized, well, there's no females. Like that would be cool to be a female there and represent people like me. So why not? And um, so that's kind of what sparked it. And I never thought twice about it. Well, now you're one of the most respected voices 
in the racing world. Uh, so how would you describe, no need to thank me, like you've created that all on your own. Uh, <laughs> so how would you describe your journey to here? Gosh, it's been long. I mean, I have dedicated everything to it. I sacrificed a lot. Um, thankfully, I met my husband at 30 and, and we got married at 32, child at 34 and 38, which is typically a little bit older. But that's because my 20s was 100% about my career. I was on the road constantly. I am still a person to this day that doesn't turn much work down. I mean, you ask me to do charity, I say yes. You ask me to do work, I say yes. I, I try to be more careful and strict with my time now. But that's how I always was. I was always doing something. And, and all of that has led me to this point. And I think that the steps that I took in my career, the steps, you know, at ESPN, everything that they would give me were, it was the perfect, you know, um, I guess steps is the best way to put it that got me to this position. Nothing happened too soon. It was all slowly planned out and I was ready for each step as they came. For those who maybe don't know what goes into covering a race, how would you describe to them your role as a pit reporter? I always say it's not a job, it's your lifestyle because <laughs> with social media and with as many races as NASCAR has, it's the longest in professional sports. Our, our season is nine months. And then the off season, there's all kinds of things happening. You know, there's just development, there's drivers changing teams and teams changing manufacturers. There's always news. So I feel like when you cover racing, you're always in it. You're all, every single day you have to check in because something happens and you have to be on top of it because yeah. suddenly, you know, somebody will call and want to get your take on what's happening and you have to know what's happening. Um, but it's, it's so much fun. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I've never covered any other sport, so I can't really relate um, that way, but you're so involved in racing and it's, you know, your relationships are so tight and you know the drivers so well because it's the same ones every week. Unlike, you know, in football or basketball, you're covering different teams usually and traveling around. So you get really close with them, but you have to be so invested in your time and, and always ready. You can't just check out on any given day. In 2021, you will be the television play-by-play -play announcer for the ARCA series. Congrats, first off. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, and that will make you the first woman to call a national racing series. To be the first, do you at all feel an added responsibility knowing that there may be young girls watching at home that want to be in the position you are someday? You know, what I've been telling people, I mean, it's true that I feel like doing play-by-play -play is the natural next step because I've been a pit reporter for so long and it's just a matter of wanting to do that next thing. And so it's natural. So to me, I'm just like, okay, I'm already preparing and studying and learning, trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be my style and, and how I do that role. Um, but it, it's interesting because when you say first or, you know, trailblazing and all these things that, that have been tied to my name, there is an added responsibility, but I've always felt like that as, as a woman in a male dominated sport anyway. Um, people will look up to you in different ways than maybe a man or a small boy. You know, girls are suddenly hopeful. You know, there's a lot of women and girls that love racing, but they could never see themselves being part of it, being, you know, part of the fabric of it and being in the infield. And, and you see girls like me and Caitlin Vincy and Shannon Spake. I mean, there's more and more women. There's not enough women yet. Um, 
but there is definitely an added responsibility when you're that female. And I know that there will be some new eyeballs watching the ARCA series race just to see what I sound like, what I look like and how I do. And that adds pressure, but I love it. I welcome it. I think it's a big moment for women because I think that, I mean, once you see somebody do it, everybody knows that it's doable. And now there's no role in television that's off limits to women. And I, I think that's huge because as we know, racing has been around forever. I mean, the Indy 500 has been around for over a hundred years. That's literally so exciting and amazing. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. To already be so established in your career as a pit reporter, like you said, this felt like the natural next step. Why was it important to you to push yourself into a new space? I just love challenging myself. I don't get complacent at all. Even though I have been a pit reporter for so long, I've been able to cover so many different forms of racing and X games and just all different things. And I just feel like in this day and age, you really need to do more than one role. As we know, there's cutbacks, there's different options. People can watch TV all different ways. So how do you make yourself different? How do you diversify? That means you can wear different hats. You have different skill sets and it's up to us. It's just like getting a degree. You have to take it upon yourself to say, okay, this is the line of work I'm in. I wanna be a nurse now. So you need to go and get that degree for nursing. So that's kind of where I am. I just, I wanna be more of an asset in different ways, not just a reporter, because if you only do one thing, they can replace you easily with somebody that can wear many hats. And I've always loved having different skill sets, whether it's emceeing an event, hosting an event, moderating, um, you know, doing presentations, doing, you know, a hosting role, pit reporter role. So it's good to do different things and it's good for your brain. It's good for your confidence. And it's, it's fun. I mean, it's challenging, but I love to get those butterflies again. After doing something for so long, you don't get those nerves of starting over. Yeah. You know? How do you think that you have been able to sustain the longevity of your career? I think um, there's two things I think that have kept me here this long. One is my work ethic. Um, and I know Shannon Spake always says it too, that you just have to outwork the next person. It, that's just what it takes. And you can't be lazy. You can't rest on your laurels. You can't just say, okay, well, I'm ready for this one event. Like you have to go above and beyond. And part of that, a big part of that is making relationships with people in the garage. You have to find people that, that trust you, will give you information. You have to be able to talk to anybody. And that's not easy for most people, you know, just to go up and, and get in the middle of all these men working on cars and craziness. You have to be able to walk up and just ask the questions and get the story. Um, so I think that's one part. And another part is just being a nice person, being pleasant to be around. I mean, the reality is you can be really good at your job, but if people don't like you and your personality sucks, well, you're not going to get the next job, especially in this day and age. You know, you have to be a good person, be nice, be somebody that other people want to work around and, um, and work your butt off. And you have to be decent at, at what you do too. That's important. But I think that those two things have really um, meant, you know, longevity in my career. Amen to that. Just be nice, you know. Right. Just be exactly. Nice. Yep. Is there a moment through the many different milestones you've achieved in your career that stands out to you most? I would say the biggest moment in my career was doing my first Indy 500. I know that was groundbreaking at the time. I tried to set that aside in my head, but I did become in 2004 <laughs> the first female pit reporter for the Indy 500, the most famous race in the world. And that was a lot of pressure. It was me and I think we had nine 
male broadcasters. And then the, I was the youngest and I was the only female. So that was a little daunting. And I remember calling my mom the night before, after having been there for two weeks, covering, you know, everything leading up to it. But the night before, I remember calling her saying, what have I gotten myself into? This is overwhelming and there's a lot on my plate and there's no turning back now. (laughs) You got this. And I think after proving that I could do that race, that it opened a lot of eyes that, okay, she's capable of doing that under the pressure. She delivered. Um, We can put her on more things. And I think my bosses at ESPN saw that. And then um, three years later, they put me on the NASCAR schedule again with a bunch of men. And then Shannon Spake was on that as well. So um, I would say that that added to um, my momentum and, and, um, and probably doing play-by-play for the first time in February, I think will be a big momentum thing for my career too, as long as I don't mess it up. Oh, come on, come on. I was listening to an interview you did and you talked about when you were working for ESPN, calling a boss there and saying like, Hey, just give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. I was wondering if you could maybe share that story with us on the show and how you had the confidence to call someone at a very high level and say like, listen, I just need a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember it very well. I, paid my dues for quite a while. I had gone up to somebody with an ESPN microphone in San Diego where I was living at the time. And I said, hey, this is really what I wanna do. Um, Can I help you? How do I get involved? And he's like, well, I live here locally. I cover the local races and things and Supercross for ESPN and the show called Moto World. He said, you're welcome to come along and see how it goes. You can help me. You can do the interviews off camera. So we get the, you know, we get their sound bites basically, but you don't see me. You just like see my hand in the shot, which was very exciting for me. (laughs) My hand is on national TV. (laughs) Um, So I did that for a little while, for a couple of years. And then, um, the live announcing job came up for the whole Supercross series. So all across the country and all the big stadiums, they needed a new uh, floor announcer uh, replacing the female before. And they had known about me because I was running around helping this guy out that worked for ESPN. And um, they auditioned me. Basically, my first race was my audition. They were like, you mess up, you're out. If you do a good job, then we'll talk about you know future races. So we did that. And um, I ended up being the live announcer for four years. But the, after the first year of that, um, you know, I just kept asking people, who do I need to talk to at ESPN? Who, who makes that decision to go from the hand to the face on camera? And this one name kept coming up, Rich Feinberg. So one day I finally got his number and I was at my mom's house. I remember I was visiting, I think. And I called him and we talked for 20 minutes and my mom was like a mouse on the wall hiding and she could hear the whole conversation. She's like, I can't believe you just did that. But I just basically said, well, you know of me, you know how hard I work. Um, Just give me a shot. I won't let you down. He's like, all right, I'll give you a shot on X games. You know, we'll see how you do. So he put me on X games that next summer. And it was like the beginning of the whole backflip era. It was like the best time in motocross history. And the rest was history for me. And that gentleman, Rich Feinberg, was my boss until I left ESPN in 2014. He literally gave me a shot at IndyCar racing starting in 2004. And then he's the one that decided to add me to the super team, as he called it, for NASCAR in 2007. That's just such an amazing story. From the hand to the face, you made it happen. <laughs> exactly. I it was love that. You know, yeah. that. You know, I wasn't really an intern because you couldn't really be an intern 
technically, but that's really what I did for two and a half years. I just kind of went around covering races and learned how to interview, learned how to write, learned how to speak. I would practice standups and, and have my camera guy record it. And then I'd go home and watch it. Nobody was seeing it but me, but I was learning my craft. And at the same time, I was getting to know these writers and they were getting to know me. And that was so such a big deal for me when I went to live announcing, they knew me. And um, you know, it was all about taking those steps again. To someone that does look at you and want to have the job that you currently do someday, what would you tell them? Hard work. I mean, you've got to want it. You've got to sacrifice a lot. It doesn't come easy. You can't automatically have the job I have now tomorrow. It takes a long time. Um, I would say that you have to get a degree. I ended up, I didn't want to go to college, but once I realized how serious I was about being a broadcaster and covering racing, I actually went to school at San Diego State and I got my degree. I did way better in college than I did in high school because I knew that I was there for a purpose. I was literally traveling every weekend and then going to class Monday through Friday. And it was awesome because I was doing what I was learning and I was learning more getting hands-on, but in the end, I got my degree and nobody could take that away from you. You have something to fall back on and it helped my skills a lot on camera. Well, we've got one little fill in the blank game that we're going to play today. Uh, before we get to the amazing fan questions that were sent in, shout out to you guys. So I'll just read statement and then you give me fill in the blank. Okay. Or you will give me what would fill in the blank. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the fastest I've ever driven is. I think 160 miles an hour. Were you in a race in a, car? Yes. A stock okay. car. Yeah. <laughs> around I mean, multiple race, race tracks, but probably Daytona International Speedway is where I went that fast. What was that like? Incredible. I mean, so much fun. I, I love it. Oh, I'm, I'm a racer at heart. If I wasn't a broadcaster, I probably would have um, tried racing for sure. You know what? I should have asked this earlier, but did you ever ride dirt bikes with those younger guys that you yeah i rode dirt bikes i wrecked i was like you know they're they're comedy <laughs> no. um, i raced a little bit just for fun like mini yeah. bikes and stuff but i raced um cars in the toyota pro celebrity race i don't know if you could see the big cup behind me but, uh, coming became, in handy yeah became That's awesome second woman in 32 years to win that race i beat um professional nascar driver and it was incredible. So I love racing. It's kind of in my blood. <laughs> okay. My dream ride is dream ride. Gosh, that's really tough. Gosh. Um, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. A Porsche, like a Porsche SUV, I guess of some sort, you know, like a, if a I had SUV luxury <laughs> you know, kind of, but I can't have a car because I'm just an SUV person. I need to be up higher and I need more space. I've got my two kids. I got the dog. So <laughs> yes, like obviously the kids are important, but the dogs need excess room to move the exactly. little paws. <laughs> yep. Got four of them. <laughs> my perfect race car would have. Oh gosh. Perfect race car would have a small steering wheel and an open cockpit. Nice. Okay, last one. 
something people wouldn't necessarily know about racing is? Oh gosh. Um, know about racing, maybe how young they start that these kids start in go-karts at like four, five, six years old. It, it literally, that's where our future stars are coming from now. So, um, they don't just jump in cars at like 20 years old anymore. <laughs> it starts when they are little, little kids. And, and that's what it takes to, to be at the top. You know, I think it's just like most other sports now. I mean, golf is the same way, but that's something that, that usually surprises people. I'm surprised by that. That's actually really interesting. And I never thought about that angle before because you see, you know, adults or young teenagers in these cars, but you don't think of, they didn't just wake up and say, I'm gonna hop in this today. They didn't wait till they were 16 and had a driver's <laughs> right. license to race. Yeah. <laughs> Can I go now? <laughs> uh, well, we had some great fan questions sent in for you. So I want to get to those before we're out of time. Awesome. So first up is Sarah. And she says, favorite track to cover a race and why? I would say Talladega because it is the biggest track. It is the most dangerous track. They race in packs. Your heart is beating. I mean, after all these years of going there, I still cannot wait for the start. When they're running in that pack and they fly by together, it's like, the rumble. And then when the wreck happens, it's chaos. I run back to the medical center. I have to wait and interview drivers when they come out, but that is incredible. Um, Bristol's always a fun race too, but for me, I just love the, the raw speed. I love the pack racing. So I'd have to say Talladega. This is probably annoying, but I just think like, you know, the movie Talladega Nights as exactly. we always do. That's the reason they have a movie about that place. Right? <laughs> You're like a silly girl. Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> right? If you ain't first, you're last. Yes. That's, how, that's how Kyle Bush thinks for real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we've got Taylor. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but maybe you can expand on it. Advice for those who want to be pit reporters. Um, yes. Yeah, so obviously get a degree, work your, your butt off, but, um, you can go to your local racetrack, your local TV station, wherever, and just get experience. Even if it's being an intern at a news station, if you could do the sports department, just to learn what goes on behind the scenes with shooting stuff, angles, um, how to ask questions to athletes. I mean, just any kind of experience you can get in that regard is great. And if you have a local track, Offer your services, offer to be on the mic and do interviews for them or do social media is a great opportunity now for so many people. That's easy to do. You can offer to do those things. Um, it kind of gets your name out there and gets you experience. Okay. Jason would like to know favorite racing memory so far. Oh boy. Um, that could be a tough one because you've had a very amazing career. I really have. I mean, racing memory is obviously covering that first Indy 500. That was a, yeah. a big deal. Um, gosh, there's been so many. It's hard. I mean, getting uh, not really memories, but just moments in the sport. I think like covering Jeff Gordon, covering Jimmy Johnson, being there and interviewing them after their last race. Um, those are all those are all big moments. I think my first Daytona 500 was a great memory just being there. Oh gosh, my second Daytona 500 when I was supposed to interview John Cena 
and I was walking backwards <laughs> on camera and I turned and my ponytail slapped him in the face and it was on YouTube. It made national news. The Today Show showed it over and over. Um, that was embarrassing, but uh, definitely a memory. Oh, and the big fight at Texas Motor Speedway between Brad Kozlowski and Jeff Gordon that I was in the middle of with about 300 angry men. So those are great <laughs> memories. Don't ever apologize for a good pony, okay? It takes a lot to get that whip. Totally. <laughs> I agree. You know, as I'm kind of just chatting with you and talking about really the trail that you have blazed for those that we will see come into roles that are similar to yours and in other women in racing right now, when someone looks at you, what do you hope that they see? A strong, passionate woman, you know, um, that gender isn't an issue, you know, that there's no question, you know, when I walk into a garage or walk into a room full of men that are super intelligent, maybe millionaires, I have the same confidence, no matter who I'm talking to, I'm confident in my skin. Um, a woman who knows what she's talking about, but somebody that is very friendly and makes you feel at ease when you speak to her. Well, shoot, I'm feeling like that. And like, this is the first time we <laughs> Well, that's good. I'm glad. Okay. Wow, thanks for making me as the interviewer feel comfortable. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, that's a big compliment. And that's something I've heard throughout my career from people that I interview, especially those that aren't used to being on camera, that um, I set them at ease. And, and that's a really important skill. And that's not really something learned. That's just within you. Um, so I really try to be like that for all people, no matter who I'm talking to. I think about that a lot because it is and could be uncomfortable to ask someone who maybe you haven't built a strong relationship with yet to open up about themselves in different areas of their life and right. say, Hey, I have this microphone and here's a camera in your face. So tell me all about this. You know, right. I, I think that that comes with a great responsibility. So you're just no. fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. I work hard. It doesn't come easy. <laughs> well, Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. This has been such a treat getting to chat with you a little bit more about yes. how you got to where you are. Uh, so I can't thank you enough for making some time. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good hey. questions. Wow. Thanks. <laughs> for Jamie Little, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It.